0: So uh, as you can uh, tell from the few slides we have so far, MMT is not just about printing money. The degree of monetary sovereignty is not about a country having its own national currency and, and, and it ends there. It's actually much more nuanced, as you can see. So now the question becomes, would a country, even like the United States, like Japan, like China or Switzerland or Saudi Arabia. What is the actual limit to how much additional government spending can take place without bankrupting the country, without a run on the currency, without causing inflation? So what is the actual limit? So this is um, how I'd like to, to frame it. Uh, the mainstream approach tells us y- you have tax revenues that you use to, to spend that allow the government to spend, and the mainstream will even tell you the government can also borrow. You have this additional capacity, but it's up to a certain limit, it, and it's disciplined by markets, it's disciplined by credit rating agencies, and so on. But beyond that, we're told if you exceed that borrowing capacity that the market allows you to have, uh, you know, you're going to have hyperinflation, you're going to turn into a Venezuela or something like that. What MMT is suggesting is that there is this additional spending capacity, this bright yellow space. That's not infinite. Notice it's constrained. But the real constraint here, according to the MMT approach, is the actual risk of inflation, that red bar that limits your capacity. And we're saying this untapped spending capacity is out there. It's not infinite. We should have strategic decision-making processes that are MMT-informed to allow us to tap into that space without causing inflation. So the big question for MMT becomes, what determines the risk of inflation? I mean, this this idea that MMT doesn't care about inflation is is, is nonsensical because we're literally obsessed with assessing the risk of inflation. That's the whole MMT project in in a sense. So the risk of inflation for me is, is determined by a couple of factors. One, is the availability of productive capacity. That is, if you run out of machinery, technology, equipment, labor, uh, specialized in particular areas of production, raw materials, if your supply chains are disrupted, if your logistical capabilities are incapable of delivering on time or delivering at all, then you're constrained on the real side of the economy. And if you spend more, by increasing demand in those areas, you create inflation inflation pressure points, and as a result, you increase the risk of inflation. So the good news about the lack of productive capacity, the weakness of your logistical capabilities, supply chains capabilities, the good news here is that you can invest strategically to increase productive capacity in key areas, such as um, domestic food production, such as renewable energy production, such as logistical capabilities in your ports, in your transportation system to improve your your supply chains, uh, to get rid of bottlenecks. And when you do that, not only do you create millions of jobs, but you also end up taming the risks of inflation and as a result, increasing that bright yellow space, pushing the risk of inflation further and further out. A more recent example that many of you have heard in the news recently is the inability of ports in the US, incapacity of the ports in the US to actually uh, unload and deliver uh, via trucking all the stuff that's coming from China and other parts of the world. And President Biden, in in one of the uh, more recent statements he made, his administration made, $17.5 billion will be immediately allocated to ports in the US to build additional capacity to speed up the unloading and as a result unclog the supply chain that we've been seeing which is the actual one of the actual sources of inflation and sources of disruption in the us so that's item number one item number two is the abusive market power and price setting behavior of key players in the economy think of your telecom companies think of your pharmaceutical companies in the united states think of any entity that's not Um, uh, that doesn't have enough competition, where your antitrust laws are either inadequate or inadequately enforced, when you have that type of inflation risk, it's not going to go away by spending less. It's not going to go away by austerity policies. It can only go away by taxing and regulating that market power out of existence. So from an MMT perspective, the purpose of taxation and regulation is extremely important in managing the risk of inflation, taming the risk of inflation. And if you're able to do both on the productive capacity and logistics side, by investing more, spending more, not spending less, and by taxing and regulating abuse of market power, then you're able to increase that additional spending capacity without causing inflation. And this applies both to developed and developing countries. And this is one of the key strategies for developing countries with the weaker degree of monetary sovereignty on that spectrum to gradually increase the degree of monetary sovereignty over time. So monetary sovereignty is not something that you declare by decree. It's something that you acquire via strategic policy, strategic investments, and effective taxation and regulation of market power. So that's really a, a major paradigm shift that we're suggesting here. So the the root causes are inflation when you look at uh, all the countries that we've looked at, the U.S., uh, Russia, Tunisia, Ukraine, all the major sources of inflation are always, almost always far beyond the reach of monetary policy. They're in the real economy. So you have central bankers trying to target inflation using interest rate policy when the actual source of inflation is logistics and supply chain disruptions or market power by pharmaceuticals, or market power by real estate companies, or speculators in uh, in real estate markets. So most of the time, the actual sources of inflation are way outside the jurisdiction of the central bank, and they also happen to be in the jurisdiction of fiscal authorities, your parliament, your congress, your prime minister's office. They have the capacity to spend public funds strategically investing to build up capacity, including capacity on the technical, educational skills side of of the equation, but also have the capacity and the jurisdiction to tax and regulate market power accordingly. So fiscal policy is better equipped to target actual inflation pressure points. And the the examples uh, uh, abound here. I'll give you an example. Tunisia, I'm originally from Tunisia. Tunisia's sources of inflation are imported oil and gas, imported grains like wheat, um, and the central bank tries to target inflation by raising interest rates. How can that affect OPEC decisions to change oil prices? How can that affect uh, wheat prices, which are determined by global suppliers like Russia and Australia, the US or, or the Ukraine? It has nothing to do with the jurisdiction of the central bank. But what the central bank does is that it essentially forces the creation of additional employment, weakens the position of local consumers, in other words, throws people under the bus in the in the name of price stability. And that's just unacceptable and and ineffective, uh, to be honest. Um, So uh, it's very important to recognize that uh, prices and, and the sources of inflation are much Uh, closely connected to the legal, regulatory, administered, and budgetary um, uh, aspects of fiscal policy. All of this is on the fiscal policy side, on the regulatory side, not in the hands of the central bank, with very few exceptions. So central bank policy can assist, can complement strategic inflation targeting or inflation taming policies on the fiscal side. Um, so what does mainstream economics say about inflation targeting? This is not us saying it. This is the mainstream in the last 10 years. Fed says we have no reliable theory of uh, of, of inflation. This is the ECB trying to target inflation for the last 12 years. Inflation targeted at 2%, not even close. Uh, and, and this is aiming at higher inflation after the 2008 crisis. So you can't even... You know raise the price level let alone having the tools to lower prices or or to keep inflation within within a particular uh, margin mm tuesdays is proudly supported by modern money lab an organization founded by economists stephen hale and phil lawn and activist gabby bond Modern Money Lab and Torrens University are running online graduate courses in MMT and ecological economics from September this year. You don't have to have a conventional economics degree to apply, and if you're interested, Steven and Gabby will be happy to answer all of your questions. Hi, my name's Gabrielle Bond, and I'm here with my friend Stephen Hale. You might remember us from our show on Koberos Media, Modern Money Donuts. We're proud sponsors of Koberos Media. We'd like to tell you about our global online courses in Modern Monetary Theory and Ecological Economics. They start this September. They're unique as far as I can tell. I don't think there's anything like them anywhere in the world. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.modernmoneylab.org.au. To find out about the courses, go to www.modernmoneylab.org.au.